Uh, yeah, so if you've got your Bibles, John 8 is where we're going to be. Uh, we're starting a series called Stuck. Uh, essentially, it's how God can free you from, the, the, from things that get you stuck in life. Um, and, uh, and, and really, it's a series that's navigating us through John chapter 8 through John chapter 11. And so today kind of sets the bar for um, what we're going to be talking about. Specifically, throughout these weeks, uh, the freedom that, that is offered to us by God. We know because of the scriptures that it says uh, that uh, he has come to give us life and life to the full, abundant life. And so it's not just, um, uh, you, you know, if, if we're kind of walking through life and not experiencing abundant life, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how can we be freed to live an abundant life? How, how can we walk in the freedom that Jesus offers us? Or is there something in our life that has us kind of stuck and, and not not walking in that freedom. And I think the first step for us to kind of walk in that abundant life, that freedom is to get unstuck, right? And so we want to talk about some of the things that get us stuck, things like guilt and shame. There's a lot of you maybe are walking in guilt and shame and you really can't walk, you know, have a free relationship with Jesus because you're so overwhelmed or overcome by guilt and shame. Maybe it's sin, uh, maybe it's you're walking in darkness or you can't see the sin and you just keep walking that, that direction. Maybe it's uh, direction, purpose. Like you don't know, you're just kind of wandering. You're like a sheep without a shepherd. We'll see kind of that Jesus uh, um, gives us leadership and provides us purpose and direction. Or maybe it's just fear, fear of uh, obedience, a fear of death or fear of whatever that has us kind of not walking in the freedom that Jesus offers us. And so we're going to be talking through those things over uh, the next five weeks um, in total. But today specifically as an overarching message, uh, you, you know, we, we, we want you to find that freedom. We want you to live the abundant life. We want you to escape from a stucky life. Uh, we want you to, uh, yeah, 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 it's playing words. Um, we want you to walk in that, right? And a life that stucks. Yeah, we use either one of those. Uh, uh, so today what we're focusing on is, is what is freedom and how can I have that freedom? What is freedom? First of all, we've got to clear that up. And how do I get that freedom? Uh, and, and so that, that's where we're navigating. And I, I, I'm ventured to go out on a limb here and say that everyone here wants freedom. Everyone wants to be free, right? I think it's natural in us to desire freedom. Uh, I was watching my kids play the other day, and they were playing, you know, jailer or whatever, you know, like kids do. And, uh, you know, they're locking each other up in jail. One's breaking out, running free. But you know what I noticed? No one, no, no, none of my kids ever tried to break into jail. Right? No one was like, I want to be in jail. Right? No, they would, the old, typically the oldest sibling to the younger siblings would put them in jail, and then the younger sibling would be like, I'm getting out of here. Right? They'd break out of jail and get uh, seeking that freedom. I think that's natural in us. We, we all desire that, that freedom. We want to be free. Um, and so we got to decide, we got to define what is it. And we have to be careful here because. Uh, we live in a culture that has a definition of freedom, and we, we hear it all the time. We, we, we are, th this is one of the things we, where our culture can kind of affect our theology, and so we got to really kind of navigate what is freedom. We, we, we say things, you know, we live in the, uh, the land of the free, right? We, we, uh, we have a war cry that's give me liberty or give me death, right? We eat freedom fries, right? 
There's a lot of freedom nuances in our culture that we have to kind of walk through it for just a bit. And I, I want to encourage you. Obviously, political freedom is a great blessing from God. Uh, we have a lot of freedoms. That is a great blessing from God. However, spiritual freedom is a greater freedom. Spiritual freedom is a freedom that you can have when you don't have political freedom. Freedom is a freedom, I mean, spiritual freedom is a freedom that can be had no matter the political structure that you are found under. And so spiritual freedom is an eternal freedom. It's a freedom that lasts beyond our lives into eternity. And so this freedom is the freedom that Jesus brings to us. And that's what we want to navigate through is how do we get this spiritual freedom, this true spiritual freedom. Uh, life, freedom that, that, that Jesus talks so much about and that he talks so much about specifically in John 8. And so I'm going to read to you this passage and then we're going to kind of walk through it. Okay. So uh, John 8, starting in verse 31 through 36. Okay. Says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Okay, so when it comes to freedom, Christianity and our culture agree somewhat on what, at least what freedom looks like, what freedom feels like. Like, uh, you know, Christianity would agree that, you know, freedom brings with it a, a feeling of being alive, accomplishing the purpose for which we were created. Um, it, it is, you know, we're doing, you know, we're fulfilled, do, doing exactly what we were meant to do, a, a life with no regrets, right? So, so we, we agree. Now, the definition of those terms, I think, are important because I think that's where we kind of differ a little bit. And I think Christianity departs specifically with culture's definition of freedom when we're talking about living with no regrets. Our culture would say, yeah, no regrets. And what that means for them is don't end up in PCB with a tramp stamp, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, but really what they mean is, hey, let's have fun. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And have no regrets, meaning like, you know, I, I didn't kill anybody or something. You know, there's these things. Christianity would say our standard for what quantifies as a regret is higher than that. It is that we want to stand before God having lived the entirety of our lives with no regrets. Having be able to stand before God, having lived a life, not perfect by any means, but standing before him and saying, I've lived my life to the glory of God. I've lived my life for the purpose for which I was created. I live my life to the only thing that ends up mattering in the end, and that's Jesus and his name. And so we want to be a people that stand before God with, with no eternal regrets. Now, let me explain the difference. Imagine you're skydiving. I want to kind of explain what freedom in our culture looks like compared to freedom of Christianity. Imagine you're skydiving and you jump out of the plane. You know, people do this because they love that feeling, right? It's an exhilarating freedom. They say there's a freedom that's found in skydiving, right? I just jump and there we go. You know, and you just, you're going for it, right? And Unknown to you is the fact that your parachute is defective and it will not open no matter what you do. 
So for a moment, for a moment, there's this feeling of freedom. There's this feeling of, you know, be, being carefree and happy and void of, you know, burdens, right? And, but, but what you don't know is in 30 seconds, you're going to die. You're going to hit the ground. The good news is they won't have to bury you. They just kind of cover up the crater. <laughs> and so some of you are like, I'm never skydiving. But this is the freedom the world offers you. This is this feeling, this exhilarating freedom that you, you think you're happy, you think you're full of life, and you jumped out, and unknown to you is that you are, it's leading to your destruction. So are you then free? Are you free indeed? I would say you're not. I would say you're enslaved. I would say you, that you are, are enslaved to this a bondage that you're about to come in 30 seconds, come to the reality of. And so the, the, the freedom that the world offers, yes, it might feel good for a moment. Yes, you might enjoy it. But in the end, all the exhilaration, all the good vibes are gone. With the approaching of the ground, they're gone. And this is, this, is the, um, this is what the world offers to us. For, but for the believers, we want to live lives that ultimately end standing before God with no eternal regrets. We want to have lived our lives for the purpose in which we were created. So we agree somewhat on what freedom feels like. We differ somewhat on what freedom feels like. But I think we, we definitely differ on how that freedom is accomplished. Two ways I want to give you that I think we, as, as the, the, the two ways that we get freedom, true spiritual freedom, true freedom, period. There's two ways that we get it. The first one is that true freedom comes when you're serving God. True freedom comes when you're serving God. Now, that may sound weird to you because the word serving sounds more like the week than the weekend. Sounds more like your job than what you do on Saturday and Sunday, right? Like, serving doesn't sound like freedom, but there's a great freedom in, in us being obedient and serving God. In this particular passage, Jesus is telling the religious leaders that they're enslaved, right? And, and, and that he, he tells them, you're enslaved because you're not, you're not abiding my word. You're not truly my disciples. You think you're free, but you're really enslaved to sin. And the religious leaders, they take great offense at this. They say, what do you mean we're enslaved to sin? We've never been in bondage to anybody. You know, what they're thinking is political oppression, right? Even though they were still under the Roman government, they weren't oppressed as they were in Egypt. They weren't slaves as they were in Egypt. So they're saying, no, we're not enslaved to anyone. And Jesus says, no, you are slaves because you aren't living by my commands. You are not living by my word. You're not abiding in my word. You're not a, a, a son. You are a slave. You, you aren't a part of the kingdom of God. Therefore, you're enslaved by sin and the things of the world. Essentially, what sin is, sin is desiring something more than Jesus and then acting on that desire. That's what sin is. And so he's telling these religious leaders, no, you're enslaved to sin. Why? Because they, they desired, you know, clout, religious clout in their, in, their, you know, in, in their world. They desired to be these important people. They desired to be, you know, have uh, all the prestige. And, and they, they value that more than they value Jesus. And so he's saying, you desire these things. You're acting on it more than me. That's sin. And you're slave to sin. You're slave to that status. You're slave to those things. And so anything that we desire more than Jesus 
is sin. And that's what sin produces in us, these desires. And the desire in and of itself is not bad if we squash it and put it in the right perspective. But ultimately, oftentimes, these desires get acted upon and we value things in our life more than we value Jesus. Uh, A couple of examples, because I think it's good for us to ask the question, what do I value more than Jesus? Maybe it's your career. Right? Maybe for you, you, you are working to the bone trying to make it or trying to be somebody or trying to please daddy or you know, trying to figure out you know, how you can advance and advance and advance. And this is the thing that you treasure higher than you treasure Jesus. And if you had to give one of them up, whether you give up your relationship with Jesus or your career, you might out of your mouth say, no, 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 I'd give up my career. But your life and what you do says, no, no, I'd give up Jesus in a heartbeat for this dream. So maybe it's your career. Maybe, maybe it's just, you, 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 and you can kind of see that. Maybe, you know, if you don't get a raise or, or you get demoted, like those things affect you majorly. Or, or maybe you get jealous of someone who does get a raise. Or like you, you, you just continue to press towards this, this dream of a career. Maybe it's money. Maybe you can't be a generous person in your life because you're afraid you're not going to make enough money or you're afraid you're going to lose what you got. Either way, you're just clinging hold to this treasure and you, you, you're pursuing it. You want more of it. You're trying to, like, that is what you are after because of what it can get you or what, it, you know, what security it gives you or whatever. Maybe it's money that, you, that, 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 is the, that is the treasure above Jesus. For some of you, it's just the opinion of others. You pursue the opinion of others, and you care more about the opinion of others more than you care about what Jesus thinks of you. And so how you dress, how you act, the way you spend your money, one way you can know if you struggle with this, if you're the Instagram poster or the selfie poster that would take 42 pictures of yourself to get the right one. And then obsess over who has liked your picture and get angry over who has not liked your picture. And we giggle, but this happens. And so maybe you're just consumed with what people think of you. You're, con- you're consumed with, you know, other people's opinions. You're, you're, you're trying to get affirmation from other, other people, and it's controlling you. And you treasure that more than you treasure Jesus. Whatever it is, it could be, it could be grades, it could be relationships, it, it could be your own kids. It, it could be sins like pornography or other pleasures that you're pursuing more than Christ. Whatever these things are that you desire, treasure more than Jesus. When we hold those things above him, that's when that sin keeps us enslaved. It keeps us, uh, uh, we're mastered by it. Now, hear me, we're all going to be mastered by something. We are all people that, that come and, and, and we're dependent on something. And so you got to ask yourself, what, what is your, who is your master or what is your master? Does your master bring in more slavery? Does it enslave you or does it bring freedom? And the only master that brings freedom is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I think that's a good question to ask us. It's like, what, who is our master? What are we, what are we a slave to, right? Uh, and, and does our master bring freedom or not? Now, more clarification on freedom. Freedom doesn't mean living with no boundaries. Uh, there, there are, in, in freedom, there, there are boundaries. In order to experience true 
uh, true freedom. It, essentially, freedom is living our life as God created us to be. C.S. Lewis gives a great example. He says, if you pull a fish out of the water in the attempt to try to free that fish from water, have you freed the fish? No, you've not freed the fish. You are killing the fish. The fish is dying. And all the while you think, oh, I have freed the fish and the fish is suffocating. This is us. If we live a life outside of the way that we were created to live a life, we are a fish out of water, suffocating, dying, not living how we were created to live. And if we were laid in the water as we were supposed to be, we could swim with great freedom. This is what a lot of us try to do. We try to live outside of the boundaries that God has given us, and we think that's freedom. But all the while, we're suffocating and dying. There are these parameters in which God has created humanity to live. And if we stay in those parameters, then we begin, when we have the true freedom that he offers us. Now, here's the difference that you're going to know, and I'll get into this in more in a minute. The difference between someone who is a slave and someone who is a son is the son sees the boundaries, appreciates the boundaries, and they are not a burden to him, whereas a slave tries to muster himself inside those boundaries. He can't stand it. He wants to get out of those boundaries as quickly as they can. And so freedom, true freedom, true spiritual freedom that comes from God are found in boundaries. We are the freest when we are living the way God has created us to live. When we step out of those, that's where we don't have freedom. Let me give you some examples because obviously the scripture says that sex is uh, given to us by God. It's a blessing given to us by God. Praise him. You know, uh, we, we, but we live in a society and a culture that preaches a different word. It preaches, a, it preaches free sex. It preaches uh, you don't need to be inside of marriage to have sex. It preaches that you, sh matter of fact, to do so would be prude, would be old-fashioned, and would be stupid. And yet, uh, we also live in a society. Now, l let me give you some, some, because our culture says this is freedom. Now we live in a society where pornography makes more than NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB all combined. The pornography industry makes more than NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox all combined. And we think we're free. Marriages are being torn apart regularly. Families torn apart. Um, the hashtag MeToo movement. We think that freedom is bringing, we think that free sex is bringing a freedom to our culture. No, it's bringing abuse. It's bringing uh, wickedness. And we say, this is free, this is free, this is free. And all the while it's destroying us. We're fish out of water. Uh, there's a great testimony I heard this week of a lady who um, eventually became a believer and, um, and, you know, married and all those things. But early in her day, she was not, wasn't a Christian. She wasn't living for the Lord. Very promiscuous in her life. And she tells her testimony of how I thought, what I thought was freedom actually brought with it great enslavement. Every week I'd be worried about STDs. I'd be worried about whether I'm pregnant or not. I'd be worried about, does he really love me or is he going to bail on me in a, in a notice? Do I have to continue to put up this persona to try to win over his affections because he's going he's gonna to dip on me if I don't? That wasn't freedom. That's enslavement. That's slavery. That's freedom and beauty in the way God has created 
marriage and sex to be had, where two people commit to one another and 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 in doing things God's way, they enjoy the blessing that sex brings to a marriage and a family. Like the, so our culture preaches freedom, but it's not a freedom. It's, it's a slavery. You want another example? You know, God has a boundaries and a standard on money. He says, give 10%. Get, be a generous people. Our world says, no, I ain't doing it. Let me give you some stats from our world and how our world has done their money. The median household in, uh, 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 credit card debt is $16,000 per household. $16,000 of credit card debt. Uh, the median student loan debt is $50,000. The average auto loan per household is over $30,000. Uh, uh, there's over, on top of that, per household, over $10,000 in personal loans. That, that's not including mortgages or, or other things. You think that's freedom? You think doing money the world's way is freedom? No, it's slavery. It brings slavery to us. And I don't want to do it that way. It's, it's, it's like a good parent with their kids, right? Like they, they're going to, uh, you know, a, a good parent doesn't give us rules to restrict us. It keeps us safe. Now, I tell my kids, don't play in traffic. Why? Because I don't want them to be roadkill. It's not because I hate them. It's because I love them. Don't play in the road. It's for your good. This is the same thing with God. He has given us boundaries for our freedom, for life, to be enjoyed so that we can, we can walk in freedom. We can have an abundant life. Now, our culture says that freedom is having no master. Jesus says freedom is having the right master. Uh, you know, you may, again, believe the myth that freedom is doing whatever you want. You know, it, you can't do whatever you want. If you think you can do whatever you want, okay, the next Titans home game, I want you to go down here, and I want you to try to streak in the middle of the game onto the football field. What's going to happen? The security is going to tackle, tackle you pretty quickly and cover up all your freedom. <laughs> you can't do what you want. You're not going to be able to do what you want. Right? That's not what freedom is. Freedom is living according to the boundaries that God has given us, right? And, 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 and holding as highest uh, treasure Jesus, him being our master, us being uh, uh, slaves to righteousness and his kingdom as opposed to the other things that keep us in, uh, headed towards destruction and death. So freedom comes from serving God. Secondly, um, freedom comes from the Son. Freedom comes from Jesus, can only come from Jesus. Now, uh, you think, well, that's, that's easy. You already kind of said that, but I want to be very clear here. Um, you know, if you are a slave, slaves don't decide to stop being slaves. If, if, you, are, if you are chained to something, if you are bound to something, you don't just say, all right, I'm getting out of here. No, no, no. You're not holding on to chains. They're holding on to you. That's what slavery is. It's, it's the inability to walk in freedom. 
And so for us specifically, in order to be set free, you need the son to set you free. That's why the verse says, it says, uh, those whom the son sets free are free indeed. It doesn't say those who work real hard, those who try a little more, those who make their church attendance from one time a month to two times a month, those who put on this religious facade and try to clean up their lives, those are the ones that are free. No, 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 no. Those whom the son sets free are free indeed. So the only way to true freedom in your life. The only way to true spiritual freedom is for you to come and to lay down your life before Jesus and say, free me. I need you to free me. I can't free myself from the pursuit of my own career. I can't free myself from putting my kids above Jesus. I can't free myself from pornography. I can't free myself from the addictions in my life. I need you, Jesus, to free me. Those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. We try to muster up and clean up our lives and put, play this religious game, but in the end, we're just enslaving ourselves more. The only way to find true freedom is to come to Jesus, to be saved by Jesus. And here's what happens when you come to Christ. You place your faith and trust in Christ. He removes the wrath of God that was heading towards you, and he takes it upon the cross. And he opens your eyes to be able to see spiritual things, meaning he changes your heart. You, you, the scripture talks about how you had a heart of stone, and when Jesus saves an individual, he changes it into a heart of flesh so that the things you used to love, the things you used to desire, the things you used to treasure above Jesus, the things you used to want to be about are not the things you want to be about anymore. You have been converted. You have been changed. Your desires change. Your wants change. The direction of your life changes. Everything about you changes. You had a heart of stone that hated God. God was a rebel against him. He changed it, sets you free to have a heartbeat that's beating. And now you love the things of God. You want to have a life that pleases him. You want your life to have purpose and meaning for eternity's sake. You want to stand before God with no eternal regrets. You are changed. He changes you entirely. This, this is what the freedom, this is what free indeed is. And this is what Jesus offers you today. He offers you freedom to come, be set free by the Son, be set free from the things that enslave you. And I know there are many in you in here today that maybe you see, you know, uh, uh, serving God or being obedient to God or living within the boundaries that God has placed on our life as slavery. You don't see those as a blessing. You see those as a burden. And quite possibly it's because the Son has not set you free that you're still slaves, not sons, that, that you don't get, slaves don't get to get the uh, in eternal inheritance. They don't get to be a, a part of what the father is doing, that you are still slaves to, to sin. And so, so when Jesus sets a person free, he changes their hearts and desires to match his own hearts and desires. It's, it's like this, and we know this to be true. It's like, um, you know, it's football season, and it's like Bama fans reproduce like rabbits around here. <laughs> and typically, I always ask, why are you a Bama fan, right? Because are you just a bandwagon fan? Like, I'm going to go with who's winning, right? Lame. Uh, us true fans of Tennessee, we know like pain and endearment. 
and perseverance, right? And it's kind of why we're doing this series because you can't spell stuck without UT. Uh, but anyway, if I see a Bama fan and I say, hey, uh, hey, why are you a Bama fan? Like, you, you've lived here your entire life, right? How did you end up a Bama fan, right? And, uh, you know, t- typically if they're not bandwagon fans or whatever, they'll say something like, well, my dad was a Bama fan. Right? Oh, okay, was he from Alabama or... Yeah, he grew up in Alabama, or they gave him a scholarship to go to Alabama because he had all his teeth. Uh, I love football season. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, you know, they, they'll say, yeah, my dad was a Bama fan. Outside of the irregular, no, I just, I wanted to be a rebel, and I wanted to go for Auburn, you know, whatever. You know, they, they, typically in a family, you know, you pass down things to your children, right? Uh, if my kids become Bama fans, you can have them. I'll give them to whoever, um, you know. Uh, but anyway, you typically pass down. On a spiritual level, this is the same thing. We, as God's children, have the same wants, desires, passions, and pursuits that our Father has. Here's how you know you are a son of God or daughter of God. Do you have the same wants, desires, passions, and pursuits as God does? Do you love the things that God loves? Do you love righteousness? Do you love his word? Do you love fellowship with the believers? Do you love the mission of God in our city and in the world? Do you, do you love you know, spending time in his presence? Do you love raising your kids in Christ? Do you love those things? Do you hate the things God hates? The things that God hates, according to his word, should break our hearts. And even if we were to commit those things, those things should burden us and, and break our hearts, the sins that we, we, we know. We, our heart, we, we, our desire is not to do those things. And so you know you're a son if you've been changed. If the things of God are a burden to you, you need to begin to question if you're a son or not. Because you may still be a slave. You stay, still may be a heart of stone and in slavery. You may have in your mind that you, you have put on this religious facade and you've done the church thing because your parents did the church thing and you're, you're, you're kind of setting up these religion parameters, but there's been no change of your heart. There's, there's been no life change. There's been no desire change. Like, you don't want what God wants. I would, I would argue that you have not been set free. You still walk in slavery. And I think that's what Jesus wants to do today, is he wants to change us from slaves to sons. And that's a good question for you to ask over your own heart. Have you been changed from a slave to a son? Have you been changed? The gospel brings freedom. This is what the son has set out to do. He came to bring us freedom, to set us free from sin, to seek and to save those who were lost without a shepherd. Like He came, he comes to save us. And the freedom of the, of the son brings life. It brings, brings life out of, away from guilt and shame. It brings freedom from sin. It brings freedom from no purpose or aimlessness of life. It brings freedom from fear. 
Like, this is what, to be free indeed, I mean, we are set free from these things in our life. And only true spiritual freedom can come from knowing Jesus, you know, being saved by him. And I love what the beginning of the passage said. I wish I could preach an entire sermon on it, but he says, those who abide in my word are truly my disciples. If you're a believer in here, and maybe you've just been stuck in your relationship with the Lord in some capacity. Maybe you, you know, just have hit a wall spiritually, or you, you feel like your prayers are, are hitting the ceiling, and you just like feel like you're stuck in mud. My encouragement to you would be to take a next step in your relationship with the Lord. You know, whether that's a, getting in a, a small group or maybe that's getting a, a reading plan of the Bible uh, worked out or, or maybe that's being a part of uh, our numerous classes and Bible studies being offered around here or maybe that's taking that step of obedience or being a member of this church or whatever that next step is for you that's kind of keeping you from living in, in that abundant life and walking in that freedom. My encouragement to you would be to take that next, next step. Whatever it is for you, whatever the Lord is kind of putting on your heart. Now, some of you, <coughs> again, you, you're here, you're trying to be religious, but it's just a drudgery to you. Like, you don't get excited about coming to this place. You don't get excited about standing and having worship with other believers. The, th- the things of God aren't, aren't exciting for you. And, and it's, I think it's time for, to be honest. I think it's, it, you know, you might think you're in the Father's house, but you, you have a heart of a slave. The things of your career or your money or your kids or your sin are treasures higher than Jesus for you. And they're enslaved, slaving to you. You're not walking in freedom. Now, now again, you can't do this on your own. So the way in which to walk in freedom is to come unto Christ and to lay down before him and to say, I can't free myself. I need you to free me. I can't work harder to be free. I need you, Jesus, to free me. This is how we're saved. You're not saved by your works. You're not saved by your merit. You're saved by Jesus alone. So you come to Jesus and you, you ask him, Jesus, save me. Free me. Give me life. Make you my greatest treasure. Open my eyes to the reality that you, in fact, are my greatest treasure. Now, I want to encourage you. Like Our sermons are not just supposed to be giving you information. They're to give you an invitation. I think Jesus is inviting you to walk in that freedom today, to have it. It's, it's, it's not just a... Um, theoretical thing for you to walk in. He has established these boundaries for his children to walk in, to have life and life to the full. He's established things like his word for us to abide in, to truly be his disciples. He has provided ways for us to be free. Will you let the sun set you free? We all have a master. Who are you tethered to? What is your highest treasure? If you're not a believer in this room, I want to encourage you in a couple of things here. Uh, the scripture talks about today is a day for salvation. If you find that you are enslaved in your life, I want, to, I want to encourage you to be saved today. I want to encourage you to ask God to save you. One way that you can, we can help you in that. You've got those cards you got when you came in. On there is a place to mark, commit my life to Christ. Indicate that in a card. Bring it out there and talk to me or put it in the basket. And let us follow up with you this week. We, we, we want you to walk in freedom. 
We want you to have Christ. It's the only way to true, lasting freedom. And Jesus is not a defective parachute. He's not going to fail us in the end. He will catch us midair, put us on our feet, allow us to walk in freedom, and give us a life we've never known. He would change our heart and desire, take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Let us have a, a, a life lived that we stand before God with no regrets, that we have lived for his purpose and his mission and his glory all the days of our life. All the, all the days that he's been in us, we have been pouring out for him. Perfectly no, but our ambition and desire and, and, and heart's uh, 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 direction has been to honor him and to please him. This is what we are as sons. We live a life that pleases the Father, to please the Father. Are you a son or are you a slave? Be free today. Come to Christ and be free today. Let me pray for us. Father, your word says to us that um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is true freedom. Having our sins paid for, being forgiven, being washed white as snow, able to stand before the Father, completely justified, completely freed, from our sin and the wrath of, that our sin deserved. I pray that today there would be someone that, that learns of that freedom, that walks in that freedom, that is transferred from slave to son. I pray, Jesus, that you would set us free. Maybe there's believers in this room that, man, they, they, they've lost the joy of their salvation like David says in the Psalms. And they would have that joy restored to them by you, Jesus. And they would walk in that freedom. Maybe they have for a period of time, yes, they're believers, but they have, they have begun, because of the lies of their own heart and the lies of the enemy, they've begin, begun to hold something as a higher treasure than you, Jesus. Would you realign us this morning? Would you open our eyes to the reality that Jesus is the only master that we can serve and be free. Every other master is a tyrant that brings death. Give us freedom, God. Again, Jesus, we can't do this in our own power. So we need you to set us free. We, we need you to save We need you to move and put a burden on our hearts to abide in your word. And to abide in you. Move in us in power, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.